so it's me again. If you've listened this far, then you're far familiar with the way this episode has been going, uh, or the season has been going. Anyway, I'm throwing you a very special curveball. I've got two friends here, and they will introduce themselves in a minute, but I'm going to tell you what I know about them. They'll tell you what they know about themselves, which would be just a touch more than what I know. So they are Utah. That is the proper way to describe. They have been raised here. They're not Mormon. They are interesting individuals kind of like living off the seat of their own pants kind of like making up as they go they're creatives <laughs> they're adventurers they like to go outside a lot very out i think i'm giving you the gist of the personalities that we've got in the room super but i get the sense they are very sure about who they are and know what they want and are looking for in life with that being said we've got bill and lauren they're here so they're gonna really bring that to you so who wants to go first Phil, go for it. <laughs> I would love to go first. Hello. Yeah, I'm Phil. Thank you for that glowing introduction. Yeah, I am from Utah, as you mentioned. I have a deep connection to this place, even though I've always felt pretty different from a lot of the people that are from here. But I've gotten to know, I think, the most exciting things about this place. I spend a lot of time outdoors. I like to camp and hike and canyoneer. And I've made a lot of great friends and relationships throughout life that are very based around those things. So I feel very connected to this place and the people in it that yeah. share a lot of the same loves that I do. The outdoor loves. The outdoor loves. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys have meet outdoors. You met. We met in a coffee shop. We did okay. not meet outside. It was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to like, they do go inside sometimes. Yeah. You know, on occasion. <laughs> I don't live outside. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> Oh, is it my turn? It's your turn. It's all mine. I was born in California, but moved here very, like, young. So, yeah, I grew up here, and, yeah, I think my love for Utah has developed over time. I think when I was younger, uh, my family was not very outdoorsy or into what most people do here. Um, So that was definitely, like, a learned thing as I got older. And um, so, yeah, right now I am a strength and conditioning coach, and... I taught yoga for a lot of years and can ha- have been kind of just like floating around, like not really knowing what I'm going to do, but that's kind of my general area has just been like health, wellness, exercise. That sort of thing. That's yeah. cool. Wait, so did you guys know each other in Utah before adulthood? No. Yeah, definitely yeah. not before adulthood. I was like 26. Four when we met, twenty-five, and mm-hmm. twenty-eight now. Yeah, which that would have made me forty-three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good skin here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, to the audience out there, we are roughly the same age. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> roughly. Roughly, a few <laughs> years <Yeah>. apart. Few <laughs> years. <laughs> no, that's good. So you were indoors growing up. Yeah. Okay, I feel like that's shocking to me. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I went camping once until I was like 22. I didn't grow up skiing or snowboarding. I learned again when I was like 22. Um, so the last six or so years have definitely been me like overcoming some fears and uh, fear of heights as well. I left the concrete jungle and it's, it has been, I'm still learning. I'm still learning the ropes, yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. Yeah, no, it's so good. And you've just been outdoors. 
I've just been outdoors. I grew you were up skating. Yeah, I was a, I was a skate kid. That was like my main identity when mm-hmm. I was young. Poor insecure little Phil. His only way of <laughs> relating to the world was being wheels. a skateboarder. Yeah, <laughs> on wheels at all times, baby. And yeah, I was a Boy Scout also from a really young age. So I just grew up like camping and stuff like. Whatever. You didn't know this? No, not Eagle a Boy Scout. Scout. Yeah, Eagle Scout. I don't know if this is. I earned the Eagle Scout. I don't know. Scout. If we have Eagle Scouts in New York. Oh. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it was cool because something Lauren and I share is that neither of us grew up religious. Mm-hmm. We didn't grow up Mormon or anything. And so that, I think, in its own way, set us apart from a lot of the people in our neighborhoods and like in the school system. Yeah, because how prevalent. So like there, there are folks, a lot of the people who are going to listen to are New Yorkers because hi. So I think there's a lot of assumptions about what it is to be from Utah. Yes. So... I've learned slowly, like how, but you guys were, were raised in it. So mm-hmm. maybe help me understand, like, how and help people listening understand a little bit just about how, like, that separates you just being non religious and growing up here. Um, for me, it just always felt like, it was like everybody knew. And while a lot of LDS people are very, like, sweet, nice, accepting, like, it's always like there. There's mm-hmm. always kind of this, just like, you're not Mormon, you're not really, like, yeah. You don't. So I grew up, I lived in like Sandy, which is like a super suburby area here, mm-hmm. uh, like full of Mormons. And like me and my next door neighbors were like the two non-Mormon, like Catholic families in the neighborhood. Um, so you did have some religious. I, wa- I was you raised Catholic? like Catholic, but, but culturally no. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I did. Yeah, it was just like always this thing that was there. You're not Mormon. Um, and for me, it forced me to find more friends that weren't Mormon, which kind of were these people that were, uh, labeled like bad kids, like mm-hmm. that would smoke weed or, or skating or something. So I feel like it was you like weren't even outside. Yeah. I, I played softball. Okay. So, so you that, were kind of, okay. That was like in the dirt, but <laughs> <laughs> it was all very organized. Yeah. You were clumped with people who were also not religious. It mm-hmm. also happens to be categorized as like. Uh, yeah just alternative types mm-hmm. it's like you were in the same yeah it's you get pigeonholed into these spaces that you don't even feel fully like you identify with yeah that was always my experience from a really young age mm-hmm. of i was this i was a skateboarder and i was non-religious so i would swear and in the eyes of oh all the God. kids right yeah can you, can you fucking imagine Ring the bell. But no, but then I was also very like academic. And so yeah. I was in all of the honors advanced classes that were mostly LDS kids. And so in their eyes, I was the devil reincarnate. I bet this guy's smoking weed all the time yeah. doing whatever. When in reality, I was like a behaved kid. Yeah. I just didn't fit in well with the LDS kids. But then I also didn't fit in really great with the people I would skate with either. Because when I wasn't skating, I was just like reading a bunch of books or doing school stuff. And uh. or like off of my, you know, fucking Boy Scout troop <laughs> and and camping and things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I think from a young age there was this like strong theme of having no like real tribe of people yeah. that I belonged with and I felt understood and accepted me in a big way. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways that did lay the groundwork for me having a lot of skepticism of a lot of like commonly held cultural beliefs and Mm. just general ways of practicing stuff and so at a young age I was forced to question these things and figure out a lot of stuff for myself because a lot of people were 
sort of telling me I was doing it wrong from like all different directions. Yeah. So it sounds like you guys would both have grown up with a lot of like sensitivity about perception. So like how much do you care about how people see you? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. I think uh, over time that's kind of diminished. And I think that's also goes hand in hand with as I get older, as we get older, we start spending more time with people that um, like really accept us and that that kind of view of how we are getting older, you care less about what other people think. But then when you're around people that like really accept you and are great and loving, that also goes away as well in my experience for me. Yeah. And you felt that? Absolutely. Yeah. I had some like experiences in my own life that really led to me figuring out what was important and what wasn't. And just realizing that we're like, you have to do what makes you happy. And it's really silly to sit around and fret about how the world like is going to perceive what you're doing. Or if you just have to do what makes you happy and what you think is like a positive contribution to everyone else yeah, like around you. And I think as long as you're doing those things and like you're doing the right stuff and you can't spend a whole lot of time worried about like, what some dumb dumb on Twitter thinks about your lifestyle. Yeah. You know? It's Twitter now, yeah. it'll be like holograms or something. Yeah. Soon they'll be able to project themselves into your living room yeah. oh to gosh. call you a dumb dumb, which <laughs> oh will be even gosh. harder. But, uh, You'd have to find like a very aggressive new form. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I'm erasing you. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, so this is not the first time you guys have had some so naturally like when you say to someone like, hi, my name is I'm Holly right what does that do to a room like but before we talk about like the dust room like how did you get to say that to yourself like when did you for me it was something i figured out painstakingly over had a series of serious relationships with people that were great that i really cared for a lot and within a pretty short amount of time those relationships all began to end or fail for the same reasons it was mostly like a, a me that's what i figured out after time, I was like, oh, this is, this is a Phil problem, <laughs> not a the other person problem. And so I, I spent a lot of time trying to sort that out. And after months of introspection and then like some outside research, that was the conclusion that I got to. It was like, oh, it's just like the, the monogamous relationship style doesn't make me happy. And it's mm-hmm. not a sustainable way of being in relationships for me. And that's not a reflection on anyone that I had been with before, anyone I would be with in the future. Yeah. It's just there. Cool. Take it away. Take it away. Um, yeah, for me, come to the realization about polyamory, it was something that happened gradually over time. I had a really great opportunity to travel for a long period abroad. And while I was doing that, I was spending a lot of time thinking about relationships. Yeah. And the way that relationships had gone for me in the past because I had dated a series of like really great people. And every time it seemed like those relationships would end pretty soon after they had started and for about the same reasons. And I realized that it was a me thing. It was, you know, something that I was bringing to them that was causing that. And after a long period of just introspecting and talking to a lot of people, I came to understand that it was just the monogamous style of relationship was the thing that didn't work for me. Mm. And I was very put off to the idea of polyamory at first because just that word carries a lot of the, I think for a lot of people, negative association with it. And you guys have, you have the added layer of 
Utah, right? There's, right. There's like that misconception of you're a guy. So mm-hmm. there's the like, like polygamy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's that added like weight of, oh, like don't people in Utah do that? Mm-hmm. Or like a guy has like four wives and totally. sister right. wives and right. they live on the same land. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They all do different childhood. Yeah. Yeah. All these words, like they carry so much like cultural baggage with them. And then, yeah, on top of that, like my perception of polyamory here in that word was like, oh, this is what a bunch of 45-year-old ex-Mormon people do when they've realized midway through their life that they've only ever slept with one person. And so they have a meltdown and then they have sex parties where they put their keys in a jar and they go have sex with a stranger. And I was like, that's not what I want. That's not how I identify. That's not what feels right to me. And so I, I was totally not interested in looking into that at all. But it was only until a little later on that I stumbled upon some some actual information about what polyamory really is and how it's this big umbrella term that encompasses a million different ways of being in a relationship. Yeah, and there's like different types of polyamory, but we'll look into like the ways that you guys are doing it in a bit. But so you start looking into polyamory more closely and was there something in particular that resonated with you in your life? Oh yeah, that's... Yeah, there was. It's it's a little bit of a corny sounding story, but it, it right. really happened in the sort of like cinematic way there's this great guy his name is dan savage and he does a podcast that's all about sex and relationships Mm -hmm. and it's a lot more focused on sort of alternative style of relationships Mm -hmm. just not heteronormative stuff exactly yeah he he just does all sorts of stuff and he's funny and he's irreverent but the style of his podcast is like people just call in and leave voicemails and then he just and he just had a call that was specifically about polyamory and he was just talking about it and the caller felt like someone very much like me who was just questioning themselves and whether this could even be a sustainable way mm. of forming relationships and just hearing someone say who was just very intelligent and clearly spent their whole life thinking about these things and then met a lot of people engaging in these types of relationships, hearing someone say, basically, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. There's other people out there that are just like you and they're able to successfully engage in relationships and be happy and be stable in their own way that that was just the world to me and that was like me sitting alone on my couch crying listening to some podcast but it was this big moment of oh this isn't a problem with myself that I need to fix this Mm. isn't a sign of immaturity this isn't me being some raging misogynist that I can't just be happy with one female partner and that's a reflection on my own like toxic masculinity it was like no this is it's okay that yeah. you're this way there's nothing that you need to like change that was like a big moment for me yeah so would you like characterize yourself the way that someone would like the LGBTQ like plus category or is it like I don't know I've thought about that a little bit I don't know how that works I don't either and I'm not really into categorization and labels for things can be very helpful Sometimes. Sometimes. They can be very helpful for a lot of people in a lot of situations. I dislike that. And a lot of what we talked about earlier of Mm -hmm. my entire life, I feel like I've been surrounded by people that were trying to put me in one box or another and tell me what I was and therefore how I should act or therefore what I liked or what I was. And I have a strong distaste for people to categorize one another and for people to categorize themselves. Like I'm happy to sit down and have a conversation like this with anyone and just talk about it. But I don't consider myself part of a oppressed group, for example. 
or a marginalized group. I consider myself someone that's doing something that isn't part of the dominant culture. And therefore I experience difficulties and friction and lack of understanding and judgment that other people that don't have that same experience might not encounter, Mm. but so do a lot of other people in their own way. And as long as that peanut butter is between consenting adults and I say, (laughs) more power to you. Oh man. So that's, how did you like? Yeah, no, actually my like introduction to polyamory was basically through, but like prior to that, again, like being brought up in a very strict household, like non-Mormon in a like emotional abuse uh, household from my father. And then he passed, he died when I was, and so that kind of formed this big, I don't even know, like bubble in my life and in my head of who I was and uh, how I wanted to be. And my perception of life changed when I was like super young. Um, and I was like in relationship after relationship, like really serious. Like I had like my high school boyfriend and then my college boyfriend and we lived together. And during these boyfriends was like cheating on them, like pretty regularly. And yeah, I got to a point in like my very serious relationship with my boyfriend that I had, that I had when I actually met where I was just like, I don't feel okay. I don't feel okay. Not dating people and not knowing like what else is out there and what, who I am. Mm -hmm. I felt just very, I had put myself into this like very narrow, um, path of getting married having kids and it like freaked me the fuck out so like at the end of that relationship I had met Phil at a coffee shop just like randomly and it was very like oh <laughs> whoa this is crazy didn't even get each other's numbers we just parted ways after that but Utah but Utah, Utah I like stalked him oh well, okay. <laughs> I just kept showing up to that coffee shop and I was like who the fuck is this guy and so after that like we had hung out. I had broken up with my boyfriend, moved out, um, like started living on my own and started like actually like being myself. Um, and so it was just this like perfect timing of Phil entering my life, me entering a new phase of my life, um, where he introduced me to the idea and, but not the feeling. So like he introduced you to like the language, correct? But it resonated with your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like I, for so long, was just feeling shame and guilt for feeling things for other people or acting on those feelings, um, and hurting my partner or not telling my partner. And like it all felt okay to me, like deep down. So yeah. this is I'm not that worried about it. It feels okay, but societally, it's bad. That's what it felt like. So that's why, I it. okay, so that's why I felt like it had to be a secret. So it's not like, yeah, you didn't really like keeping a secret. No. And I think that you never want to like lie to a partner that you love. Mm-hmm. That sucks for sure. But, um, so yeah, I felt like all of those things leading up to me meeting Phil, um, was just like leading me there. I already felt a lot of those things. I already felt like, like I was in a much different space than most people. And had kind of like uh, dealt with a lot more things than most people had at that age. Um, so yeah, Phil introduced me to the idea. I was just discovering yeah, it. Like yeah. that anecdote I told about the crying on the couch listening to the podcast thing. Honestly, that had happened like seven days mm-hmm. before or 
person. Like, yeah, so I was, you guys essentially were figuring this out together. Yeah. Yeah, in a big way, I think we were. Like, I was, I had just, like, oh my God, I think this is the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why within 15 minutes of me talking to this stranger in a coffee shop, we're already, like, talking about polyamory, mm-hmm. which, like, who the fuck does that? Right? Someone who's excited seven days. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. That's a lot of days. Right. No, but, so you guys are talking, and then you decide you're going to start, like, how did you start dating? Yeah, you I found mean, him in the coffee shop again. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I found him. <laughs> so Tracked him down. Tracked him down. Uh, no, it was very, like, I had just broken up with that boyfriend. I was, started, like, hooking up with this other guy, and just started exploring, like, dating and my sexuality and so we just started casually dating it wasn't like we are polyamorous we're gonna date and be we're casually dating and like having sex and spending time together for like almost a year yeah it was a very slow burn that was Um, yeah because i was also very hesitant about just like jumping into a relationship of any kind mm -hmm. as well because i think i was in a similar place as you if i just figured out this new thing i just want to you're like, how do I want to do relationships? Yeah, yeah, and I had no, no no real framework from that. Like, eventually, yeah, I, like, I read some books, and they had some really great framework for that that helped inform, like, how I came to think about it going forward. But, yeah, between us, it was very much, like, a, a slow climb. Yeah, and, like, things. we enjoyed spending time together, and we just kept, like, regularly seeing each other. Like, I don't, I think we've, I don't think I haven't seen you for, like, three days a week. <laughs> like we were just like very regular from the beginning but i think we we're both very like i don't really know like what i want right now and mm-hmm. i spent that year just like reading about polyamory listening mm-hmm. to podcasts and like talking to phil about it and um eventually we got to a spot where i felt that like i wanted to do polyamory but with a committed partner with like an, a mm. partner that felt more safe to me to do. Um, and so that's like how that started like a year after we started dating after like many talks and um, just kind of like negotiating what that looked like. Yeah. yeah. And there's different, there's different styles of it. There's different like ways of, like the mm-hmm. point to kind of like fall. So like, how did you determine the style that worked for you both? And was it a bumpy road? Was it like really Like, how did hmm. you? I wouldn't call it smooth. <laughs> I call it an ever evolving road. There you go. No, that's true. And that's what I really, I so like admire about us and the relationship that we've built together is that it feels very authentic in the way that it, it has just evolved very organically over time. Like, the way that it looks today is not how it looked two years ago. And the reasons it's evolved and how it's evolved are completely based in just how we mutually have arrived at what we think is the best thing for us and what feels right. Very much just going off of like, again, like a lot of talks and a lot of honesty and vulnerability with each other and just like intuition. There's some people that are like in the polyamory world that are just the people that are, have read every book and know every piece of jargon and all this stuff and have all the acronyms and cute little vocab words for everything. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I'm much more interested in just trying to understand myself and my partner and going about it that way, rather than just picking up what some cool person on it, recreate that. Yeah. And that's like the beautiful thing about polyamory. 
Like it's different for everybody. It doesn't have to be like everything within this box. But yeah, I think the way we started out was a little more like hierarchical um, where we were like each other's primary partners, like number one, I guess you could say, um, which like now we're have moved away from that term because I think it feels not uh, authentic to either of us to be hierarchical. Um, and so yeah, our dynamic has definitely shifted, but when we started, it was more like creating this safe bubble where like we knew each other were primary partners and that like nothing was going to change that. And then from there we could grow into this more like flexible, more open, more fluid type of yeah. Has that changed the dynamic with additional partners? Like what like how Yeah, like other yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, like, yeah, you know, right? Like, yeah, just yeah. like has like partners back a bit. So, yeah, has that just like the shift that you guys have made with your? Does that trickle down? Have you felt a shift? Yeah, I think so. Because yeah, like earlier on when it was more hierarchical, and by definition we were each other's primaries, which also means by definition anyone else that we meet or start to date are going to be secondary or subordinated mm. which i don't know like for a lot of people i think that doesn't feel very nice some people like are looking for that and they're fine with it and that's great if you want to have just a more casual thing and you enjoy spending time with this person and can you know develop an emotional connection whatever but you don't need you don't mind acknowledging that they're in like a primary or more committed than you relationship that's great and i think that's more common once you get into more spaces that have a lot of poly people in them. That's like a generally understood thing and it's not so bad. But again, living in Utah, as much as like downtown Salt Lake is changing and liberalizing over time, the conservative traditional nature of shit is just in the air <laughs> here and everyone is subject to it. And so most people you may have no idea what the hell polyamory even is. And so I think, therefore, also a lot of people would be uncomfortable with this idea of, okay, like we can date, but like I'm always going to be less important by definition mm-hmm. than this other person. And also made me, it never felt truly intuitive to me either, because in the same mm-hmm. way that I wouldn't look at any of my like really close friends and want to rank them mm-hmm. from one to eight, a shout out my space, or just like a parent would never do that to their kids, yeah. say, who's your favorite kid? Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't make any sense for me to or subordinate any like romantic partner that I'm involved with either. People are just oh, okay, different yeah. and interesting and I care about them. And that's, yeah, that was how we transition more into the style that we're doing now. And we're still, we're no less committed to each yeah. other and no less in love with each other. It's not like someone else could come along for either of us that would overshadow either one of us and our relationship and would run a risk of our relationship becoming less important or less committed to each other. Not at all. It's just now we're also leaving space for, wow, someone else might come along that we also develop really strong feelings for, that also rises to the level of the type of commitment and love we have for each other. And that's okay. It doesn't take away from the love and commitment we have for each other. If anything, it adds to it, which kind of can sound unintuitive for a lot of people, but that has absolutely been experience no certainly so phil was the first polyamorous person i've met and then obviously he's the second because <laughs> <laughs> here we are you know what I mean? um, and so like we met at a bar and i like didn't know a ton about the only other somewhat 
monogamish people that I like really listen to. Jerry Brady doesn't know me, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ever heard this podcast, I would scream. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I just let me know if you hear me. But him and his wife, they are in an open marriage. And they and I, I told you about them. I really was like, oh yeah, I've been listening to Jerry talk about this. And it really works for them. Where they're married to each other, but they still see other people. But they bring back whatever they experience on outside relationships into their like primary relationship, which didn't sound like the style that you guys are describing, but it sounds like that maybe was like how it started. And then it kind of took like the ball from but he just felt like there were certain things that different relationships brought out of him. And mm-hmm. she thought the same that she could explore aspects of herself with other people more fully. And it it made it easier for them to be like more transparent in the space that they were like growing together because someone was like able to validate something that was like more true. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm asking the right people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yes, you do. Just can you maybe like help break down that experience, I guess? Like you feel like you relate to parts of it. If there's some of it, no, it's not like us, but it's them. Yeah, I think that I think there's actually there's quite a few people, I'm just full disclosure, who already know this episode is being recorded. <laughs> I'm trying to get to like more like the nitty-gritty is not so much to be nosy, but I think for people who like are genuinely wondering, does this fit me? I think for them to get a sense of like, more like practically like, what are the, what has the journey look like? What are the parts that maybe like cleaner or what are like not as, because I think they're trying to figure out like where they fit, mm-hmm. if they fit. I think it's an important um, thing to remark on that like Phil and I do polyamory differently. Like our relationship is with each other, but the- like how open is that discussion? Like, is it, very open. We talk about all of that. For me, personally, like, I do better um, when I have stable, romantic partners searching, looking, wanting more for, like, more committed things. And not that Phil's not searching for that as well, but I think he finds a lot of happiness and... Um, Satisfaction. <laughs> um, from meeting more people, and that's just more different in that way. And I think that's important to make note of because we are different, but we're still in a relationship together. I feel like we balance each other very well because I am more just like um, grounded and calmer and a little bit quieter. Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the night. But yeah, so we definitely have that like difference between us. Um, Because I think it can be like a misconception that I want. I think that it's just important to make that note. Yeah, because okay, so I initially actually wasn't convinced that you like. I was like, "That's the word." And like, I even made like a comment um, about account, and like it was really helpful. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of really well-meaning and fucking annoying assumptions that you'll come with that are, and usually they're gendered. A lot of times it's from like the male perspective. It's this guy just wants to fuck and he's not willing to be committed to a woman and give her what she deserves. And, uh, and then from the women's perspective, it's all this poor girl being manipulated Mm -hmm. by this monster and she's too dumb and weak to make her own decisions and know what she wants. And so we've both suffered under this, Whoever telling us either directly or indirectly, that's what was going on yeah. in our relationship. That I'm like the big bad guy just manipulating this chick into doing something. And that she is the poor Cinderella damsel in distress <laughs> character. That's don't you see 
that he doesn't love you, that he's not <laughs> valuing you, you poor dummy. You need it, and that happens a lot. And whatever we we live in a culture that is very single-minded and it's how it says romantic relationships and family building and all the rest uh needs to happen and if you go outside of that then you know people have like a strong reaction to it and generally yeah. speaking like it's not a big deal um but you guys are hyper communicative it's like yeah. so that's like deals with it in our understanding yeah absolutely no i've never like polyamory or no polyamory i've never had a healthier, more honest, more loving relationship than ours that I'm in now. I've never been just more, hey, like we need to talk about a thing because like I've been really struggling with this difficult emotion and I would like to discuss it with you. Whereas like in, in the past, it was just always, oh, that sucks. I'll just like, Rrr. and I'm an emotional guy. I, I never fit the archetype of the guy that like was afraid of his emotions or wasn't willing to talk. Like I've always been really emotional and communicative, but even so, in this relationship, it's like orders of magnitude greater how well we know each other and how comfortable we are talking about, like, at times, very uncomfortable things. Mm. And it's really good. But I want to get back to what you were mentioning a minute ago for the kind of, I don't know, like the spiel for people listening to this that, like, might be interested or have wondered about themselves, yes. you know, et cetera. They have been waiting. Um, <laughs> yeah. So welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I, I think it is intimidating. I felt no, it very, is, yeah. Yeah, I felt very intimidated. And all I did when I was dealing with some of those emotions I was in my other relationships or in the fallout of them was just feel like there was something wrong with me. Or feel like, oh, it'll happen eventually. I'll meet the right quote-unquote person, the soulmate, whatever. And then all of these things that have been issues before will just be solved. They'll go away and I'll do the normal thing of the wife and the kids and the nice house and all that. And for a lot of people, that's great. And I think that's great. I think a negative perception about some people that are poly is that they look down upon traditional relationships or marriage or any of that. And I don't. I think that's great. And I think it works for a lot of people. And I think that's awesome. And I would never judge anyone negatively or suggest that they need to be living their lives a different way if they're happy. My suggestion would be is that there is a non-zero amount of people out there that are like me and like Lauren that might do better in relationships that are structured a little bit differently. Right. And that could be as small of a difference as the monogamish couple that you mentioned earlier that are in like a very committed marriage. And maybe they have a very set up set of rules for three times a year. We are, we have made the decision that we can stray outside of that marriage, whether it's sexually, emotionally, whatever. And it's with these set people and we like approve of them or it's together as a couple we're doing this mm -hmm. it's that style. 99% of the time we're together in our relationship and that's how it works. Mm -hmm. And then you have way on the other end of the spectrum where it's like, we have got to find a plot of land for our commune in the desert <laughs> for us and our 10 partners. <laughs> and I think they're all great. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's been my experience since Lauren and I have started dating, which pretty much is the same time that I started being polyamorous for real, it has been surprising and interesting how many people I talk to that once we dig down into it a little, when I just describe my general feelings of, yeah, like I'll be in a relationship with someone. She was so great. I was so sexually attracted to her. She was emotionally intelligent and lovely. We enjoy spending time together. And like, man, three or four months went by and I was just really struggling in maintaining interest in her sexually. 
and I would start looking at a lot of other people in that Ooh, way. Okay, so yeah. that's interesting because curious about your experiences here. Mm-hmm. Do you find that it helps you maintain interest to have multiple partners? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it increases your connection or does it like yeah, it does. And I think our connection is always like maintained the baseline. Um, but when you do experience somebody else um, sexually or whatever, um, I think you have like this different perception of like your partner, like how I feel about Phil, like when I'm with somebody else. It's like that person's great. I had such a good time with them. Like I cherish that so much. And when I come back to Phil, it's, oh, Phil's fucking amazing. These are all the things I love about Phil. Just like reignites how I feel about him. Not that that's what we need to feel ignited. No, there's a, I heard an episode actually from the same podcast. I will meet him one day, guys. It's going to be great. But I think they were talking about how like it's there. So literally are just different. Um, yeah. So that's like how he was like expressing it. And he talked about how his, his father was like until he wasn't. Uh, and so they talked about how that informs his decisions. How it and so I, I was just curious about like your experiences with that because it, it sounds. Absolutely. Take that energy that you had with someone else home to your partner and it help it enriches it. It, it, pre, it improves your appreciation and excitement for your yeah so what do you guys bring back to the partners that are not like hopefully the same exact thing (laughs) honestly like and i think that's what we've been trying to describe is there is no like bright line that separates the way the person that i am with lauren versus the person that i am with someone else and actually i'm glad you brought up that question because i feel like we've spent a lot of time just addressing the sexuality aspect (laughs) yeah all of it no but what honestly what has been just as important a part of being polyamorous for me is like the sexual nature of it is stuff that has nothing at all to do with sexual. I used to do this thing in relationships where I would just need to try and make my partner be into this perfect person in my head. Okay. This idea of, I like to snowboard and I like to camp and I like to read, but then I also like have a unique taste of music and I need my partner to fulfill all of those things with me. I need them to appreciate those things about me. And Oh, I met this great girl and she checks like a lot of these boxes, but it's like, but she doesn't really like to camp. Oops, I guess we can't date or I guess we it's not going to work out ultimately because I need someone who likes to hike and camp and canyoneer and stuff as much as I do. And the amazing thing about this style of relationship, it allows you to totally relax on all that and not have to That's force fair. your partner to be your everything. Because they can just be what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I can have, Laura and I share so many of the same interests and activities together, but we don't share all of them. For example, Lauren likes to paint. And she's been painting a lot more lately. I despise painting <laughs> <laughs> and I'm bad at it and I don't like doing it. And she could meet someone that was also very artistic and that's something they could share together. And then she would getting, she would be able to get that part of herself fed and nourished mm-hmm. with someone else in that setting and that would be really cool and enriching for her. And that's just simply not something I can provide her. And that's okay. Yeah. It's the acknowledgement that you don't need to be your partner's everything. everything. You don't need to meet their every need, but you can still love each other and be very, but also while acknowledging like they get to share this important thing to them with someone else. And that's okay. Yeah. So five, 10 years from now, you still see yourselves being able to like enjoy this style of romance. Like, because I guess there are some people who can say they're really experimental. Do you feel like it's experimental for you? Do you feel like this is like pretty much set? This is how I want to do relationships with you forward. Yeah, it's almost like um, the veil has been lifted 
on relationships and how I view them now. It's like, I don't want to be monogamous ever again. I don't want um, to feel the way that I did feel prior to this. It has been like a ton of work, but like it's been worth it, like completely. And it's something that like, I feel very deeply about and I feel very like committed to. Yeah, so you guys have found a style that works. You have kind of like fumbled your way into it. You're feeling really set as far as like who you are, you're feeling, and you're like letting people in your life like no. You found any resistance in conversation, and also this does polyamory lessen your emotional availability for this friendship, or what? Where are you? I think at the beginning of our relationship, I dealt with a lot more like pushback because it was this like exciting new thing. And I was like, hey, guess what? This is what I'm doing. And a lot of people would just shit their insecurities on me and just be like, that'll never work. He doesn't really care about you. Like this is going to end. And like at the beginning, I was pretty like, oh my God, Uh, a little more fragile than I am now. Now I'm pretty like uh, tough skinned about it. Um, But it did make me like, be a little more cautious with who I told and when I told them. Um, what was the second question? Oh yeah, like uh, <laughs> your emotional availability with friendship. Oh. Just because you're having so many of your needs like mm-hmm. that relationally, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's, I don't think, I think friendship is a completely different like need to be met um, that a partner can't really do in some ways. Mm. Um, again, it's like checking that box. And I think friends for both of us are like our family. Um, yeah. and it's like one of the most important things for both of us now. Yeah, absolutely. I am so lucky that I was really fortunate to fall into a, a really excellent group of people that I, that are my family. Like I described my experience, like all through like grade school and high school and stuff and not really having many people close to me, but in college I met absolutely my tribe of people and it's great. We're now, a lot of us are in like our late twenties, thirties and We've maintained this really big, diverse, rich friend group that is just so based upon mutual love and support of each other. And it's, it's depending on how you count, like 20 or 30 of us, depending on how far out of like the hemispheres you go. And we spend time together constantly. I think most of us see each other way more than their families. Yeah. And they're incredibly supportive and understanding. And it was, for me at least, it was like a slow road because I a lot of these friends knew my history of relationships mm-hmm. um, and how they'd ended and whatnot. And like Lauren, I had also had some infidelity in the past with some of my relationships. And so I think there was an amount of, I think, honestly, like defensible skepticism that was met with me telling people like, mm-hmm. oh, I think I figured this thing out about myself. Because, to, and to be clear, because we talked a little bit about like cheating on partners earlier. It's never okay to cheat on a monogamous partner that you've made a commitment to. That is like, morally wrong because not because monogamy is the right thing for everyone but because that's a person you love that you've made a commitment to mm-hmm. and you shouldn't break those commitments that will hurt someone and break their trust that's never okay mm-hmm. and that's never the kind of relationship that we nowadays would engage in or advocate like when that happened with us in the past it was wrong of us to do it but it was also us not knowing you had options and acting out of pain and ignorance and just not knowing yeah exactly not knowing that another option even existed and Mm -hmm. so it was you know just this pressure vessel that just filled up and filled up and eventually like that pressure has to get released somewhere but yeah like it i I just i just didn't want any way to come off like we were being like oh it's not a big deal that you because no like we absolutely are 
strongly advocate against that. Because the difference is ultimately it's communication mm-hmm. and it's the okay. relational agreement. Yeah, right. Consent. Yeah, yeah, consent. Yeah. Consenting adults. And as long as like you're in a relationship where the cards are on the table, everyone agrees to what's going on, then that's great. But that, that's not the case. That's not what ethical mm-hmm. non-monogamy is or ethical polyamory is. That's a different thing entirely. And so I had some of that history and for so when I started this, definitely a lot of my friends were like waiting for the other shoe to drop. But as time has gone by and they've seen how Lauren and I are in relationship and they've interacted with both of us in many situations and they've seen us be with other people, which at first was like, oh my God, like, Lauren, do you see Phil <laughs> yeah. making out with that girl? And she's like, yeah, dude, that's like what we do. <laughs> yeah. And there's, what? So it's still like, like I... Seeing this is great for me. <laughs> it's definitely like interesting because I heard of Jared first before hearing about like Shan, and I had to hear Shan. Like as soon as I met Jared, I was like, Shan. <laughs> it was major. Like it's a major shift. And like think about it this way: if you could talk to your younger selves, like five years ago, what would you say to five year ago you? That you just wish you understood. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, I think I said it a little bit earlier, but I would just, I would let my younger self know there's nothing wrong with you. There's no problem that you need to solve. It's not because you're immature or less of a person than other people or than what you need to be. It's just different and that's okay. A big part of what kept me from practicing open relationships or polyamory, beside the negative initial impression I had of it, was that I, like, really used to struggle with jealousy um, a lot. Not to I have heard about this. What yeah. have you done with that emotion? Where is it? Yeah, it's a processing thing. I didn't, I didn't struggle horribly with jealousy in monogamous relationships, but when I started dipping my toes in the water of open relationships, then it really reared up, and I, I became very uncomfortable with the idea of, like, my partner sleeping with other people and what if they're more attracted to him than me? What if the sex is more enjoyable? What if they make them laugh more than I can make them laugh? Are they going to leave? You know, all these things. And I think it's everyone's own journey they have to sort out for themselves and it takes a lot of time and introspection. But for me, what I felt that I figured out was all of those things came from a place of fear. That's mm-hmm. all jealousy is different manifestations of fear. Fear that you're not enough fear that you're not someone that deserves to be loved, the belief that you, why would anyone pick you over someone else because you don't feel like you're very worthwhile when compared to other people. And, and then it's also trust for your partner. You also, you really have to trust your partner and trust what they tell you when they say they do love you and that you are worthwhile. And I think if you can spend the time getting to the bottom of those things and talking with your partner, that's how you, overcome those emotions for me. Mm. Totally good. Please. Yeah. The jealousy question or the do we do both? I would, what I would tell to my younger I would tell young Lauren uh, <laughs> that like you're gonna get to where you're gonna get when you're ready. Mm. Like there's no pushing it there's no rushing it like you make these decisions uh, when it's time and like trust that you'll make the decision and the decision will be uh, right I guess for you Um, because I think for a long time I felt like I couldn't trust myself in making Mm -hmm. the right decision I was super indecisive um, 
didn't know what to do, didn't know who I was, what I wanted to do. Um, so that was really hard for me for a long time. Um, so yeah, I think that would be like the main point. Like, is it okay to eat as well? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. it's okay to eat and you don't have to work out as much. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I would I'm gonna continue the talking. And then dealing with jealousy, I think it's been like a big long road for me. It's been something that I have worked really hard on and continually do. Um I think there was a lot of my own past like upbringing family shit that really put me in almost like a disorganized attachment style. But yeah, so I feel like I got to a point after a couple of years of us like uh, being committed in our like serious phase of relationship um, where like what I was doing wasn't working. So I had therapy. Yeah, so I hadn't gone to therapy my whole life until like two years ago. Uh, A year and a half ago, actually not even two. Um, Found my like soul partner therapist like amazing she's amazing we've done couples therapy yeah. with her she is a wise person yes, from the mountaintop yeah she's <laughs> lovely um and so it took me like a full year to break down understand like why i was feeling what i was feeling why my actions were the way that they were how i felt and it just it took me a really long time to understand them and then I still feel like I'm continually working on um, like self-regulating. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So this is what I really enjoy about hearing you guys like both talk about is I know this to be true about relationships where like the external relationships that we have with people are really like on some level like reflections of like how we feel about ourselves and like mm-hmm. how safe we are within that. But like, I can hear that that journey. There's a bit of um, not in like a childhood like nothing like that, but like very much from the moment you get to choose like who you are like how you'll be how you want to show up in the world and like you've given each other the space to like be wrong and to like be right yeah that's like how i'm hearing it and that's just like that's awesome like hearing that i'm like oh that's like so cool you know um we both evolved so much as people throughout uh the course of our relationship thus far and our relationship has evolved so much as well yeah. Yeah, they've been it's so different now than if you would have if we would have had this conversation like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's so much has, has evolved and changed and for all like the positive. I think mm-hmm. I think we both like a lot more now the people that we are in relationships generally. Both of us have changed so much the past few years during our relationship. If we were having this conversation like two or three years ago, it would be so different than what it is now, mm-hmm. truly. I think we both evolved and changed so much as individuals and how we show up in our own relationship, but with other ones as well. But just our relationship has changed so much. Our ability to communicate with each other and just be vulnerable and trusting. It sounds like holistically it has, right? Like the friendship has grown, like the romance has grown. There's just like far more like self-knowledge. So overall, like it's been good. Yeah, it's been great. I think for both of us, like the most uh, important, big healing, just like growth <laughs> in a relationship, honestly, for both of us, that like this has been like such a big relationship and such like an important one. And wouldn't change any of it, regardless of like how difficult it's been at some times. I think 
we always figure it out no matter what like always and that's something that I really like and proud of and part so wrong yeah there's so much security in our relationship which I think for people who are listening that aren't polyamorous that would sound maybe a little bit surprising because I think it would be easy to think that of a polyamorous relationship that there's not a lot of security or commitment there that things are just drift around and other people may come in and out of your life or maybe you'll wake up one day and realize you're less into your partner and that maybe you'll drift off somewhere else but that's really not how it is for us and I think it's how it is for a lot of people you can I've never felt more secure in a relationship than I have in our relationship. I feel much more confident in our ability to work through conflict and really difficult periods and things that can come up for us way more than I ever have in the past. And yeah, I, I feel much more secure yeah. in this relationship than ever before. Yeah. Which is great. No, it's super solid. So if you could for a moment, acknowledge the audience, people listening. Hi guys. Hi. Uh, <laughs> And there's just like, let's say someone who's like really curious, like, I think this could be, but I'm not sure. And like, I don't know what the rules are. And like, you guys also put your own thing. What's like a first step? Go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, that's in a my good opinion. One. That's a good one. Um, find a really good therapist and find a safe space to talk about it. And kind of unpack what you're feeling, why you're feeling it. And for me, it helps to read books listen to shit that has really helped me I know like for Phil it's more like it can be reading and listening but more like introspective self time yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you say yeah 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 like I have this weird like pride hang up thing of wanting to like figure shit out of my because, oh, yeah. And that's just like my own kind of shortcoming in a way, because it's dumb in that it makes me less open to like potentially out external resources. But I've just been, I've had to figure out a lot of this stuff for myself for forever. So I just have that tool set and everything. That being said, the reason I'm here is because of external resources. The reason I'm here is because I listened to that podcast by Dan Savage Lovecast. Highly recommend that. And the one book I have read, the ethical slut, which is commonly understood to be like the first stepping stone for a lot of people into polyamory. Highly recommend that book. It's great. I would recommend that for anyone to read, even if they have no interest in polyamory, because it's yeah. just a great discussion of healthy relationships and communication and better understanding yourself and your partner. Yeah, th those would be my two recommendations. Look into that podcast and read that book. And then, I don't know, one of the most helpful things for me when I was at my most tumultuous period of figuring this stuff out was journaling. And I say that as someone that hates journaling. It is like pulling teeth for me to make myself sit down and do it. But having some way of externalizing all this stuff that's in your brain knocking around is so important. Sometimes even just talking to myself can be really helpful. I think just having some practice or habit that's causing you to introspect and to just discuss your own beliefs and your feelings, which is right. A lot of what therapy is anyway, just a, a more guided version of that is really helpful. Yeah. I, I really like you guys have said, I like you shared so much of who you are and like 
you know what I mean? Like this relationship, and like I think that it's it's been a really good time. So for those who want to follow you on the internet somewhere, like creep on you, <laughs> stay connected. What? How do they do that? Do they go to a coffee shop? Do they like, yeah. sit around on the same table? Like you know, like how, do they come to Utah? Uh, like what are their messages? Uh, I have an Instagram. It's not like super cool or like business or it's just like kind of a lame Instagram, but it's at low tambo. L-O-T-A-M-B-O. Low tambo. <laughs> yeah. That's me. I'm not that cool. Oh, it's like very the cute. whole day I've just only been drawing in my life. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Yeah, neither of us are really social media guys. Uh-huh. Like I have an Instagram. I don't think I've posted on it in like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. um, so you but have to email him. As of now, it is not set to private. Yeah, my, my Instagram oh my handle is uh, the real fake Phil. He wants to message me and chat. Honestly, like without any sense of trying to be funny at all, I would love to chat with anyone. I meet interesting people on the internet all the time through other hobbies that I participate in. And I'm always down to hang out and shoot the shit with people. So yeah, that's where I can be. Funny. I love it. And I think what I love the most about this is like you're DMing real people who are really normal (laughs) and like i just want to affirm that because there's like people who are very much on a journey as we're all on journeys and they've just taken the time to just sit here and just share themselves with you and so i hope that means something on the other side like the listening side of this because it's meant a lot for being on the facilitating side of it seriously thank you to both of you i hope you guys have had a pleasure it has been mine please find them on the internet send your questions over there as i am limited in my responses (laughs) (laughs) um and thank you thank you so much for hearing them out for listening and we'll catch you next time talk soon Bye. bye